is God incarnate. Why is that important? And what does that have to do with his death? It's crucial because otherwise God is not active in our death, or any death. A full participant in finality. If we don't believe that God is Jesus, and that Jesus is God, then Jesus becomes a victim. The power of the moment is gone. Jesus' death on the cross is totally necessary to my own faith. And so over the next few episodes, we will look in-depth at three reasons why Jesus had to die. Love, prophecy, and obedience. If you want to continue this conversation online, please check out our Triumphant Love Facebook page and Instagram account. Or you can shoot me an email at deaconbree at tllc.org for more conversations or just any questions that you might have. Welcome back to Little Hearts Big Questions. My name is Deacon Bree, and this is a part of the series on why Jesus had to die. What does the word prophecy mean? Some of you might guess that it means to tell the future, which it can mean that. But the job of a prophet in the Bible is not to tell the future. Their job is to tell the truth. Sometimes the very painful truth that nobody really wants to hear. That truth is often something that is so obviously going to happen in the future, like bad stuff and warnings, like when Moses tells the pharaohs about what's going to happen. But sometimes that truth is about good things, things that are true today and tomorrow and forever. And that is what the prophecy of Jesus' death is about, good things that are always true. The Bible is really the story of God's relationship with God's people. Which really means that in some ways, it's just like all the other really great stories out there. It's kind of a love story, really, about how God loves God's people and about how God's people love God. So think about some of your favorite books, your favorite movies, the favorite stories that you love to tell over and over. Think about what Star Wars is about, or Harry Potter, or your favorite Disney movie, or in my case, maybe even Lord of the Rings. These big stories, all of our stories, are ultimately about good versus evil. Another way to think about it is that we can all see that there are these big and obvious forces in the world and in ourselves. We can tell that there's both good and bad out there, and there are both good and bad inside us. Sometimes it feels like good and bad are at two ends of the same string, pulling us in either direction. That feeling is called tension. 
At the very beginning of the book of John is kind of a prophecy and kind of the story of something that's going to happen and is happening and has always happened. John 1 starts by saying, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. Take just a second and think about what the word darkness might have meant to the author, John. Do you think it means things that are dark in color? Do you think it means just like nighttime? No, it doesn't. Although maybe those things seem dark. But what John really meant is all the things that we cannot see because something is blocking our vision and fear has crept in. It's like that feeling when you're in your bed at night with the lights out, laying in your room. Earlier, those same rooms were not scary at all because it was day, because we could see. We could tell that our safe space was still safe. But at night, it's all clouded. The darkness is there, and we become afraid. Another way to think of it is that John might have meant that darkness means things like death, things ending, worry, and being alone. Whereas to John, light means things like life and love and things beginning and being connected to the people that we feel safe with. Life is like sunshine and night lights and headlamps, the things that let us see and know what is real. And according to John, there are no bad things that can ever make those things not true. So in scripture, both the birth and the death of Jesus are told as stories way before these things ever actually take place. There was once a prophet whose name was Isaiah. His job was to tell the truth about God to tell the truth about God's people and to tell God's people how much God loved them. He lived hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus was ever born. Once, God's people were so scared. They thought everything that was happening around them was scary and they were worried. They complained a lot. So God sent Isaiah to give them a good news. In the seventh chapter of Isaiah, he says, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary mortals that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the young woman is with child and shall bear a son, and shall name him Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey by the time he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. Isaiah, this prophet, is telling God's people that hope will come. Can you guess who the young woman is? Or the baby who knows the difference between good and evil? Did you guess Jesus? Did you guess Mary? 
You guessed right. Later in Luke, Jesus tells his disciples about his death that will happen in just a few chapters. In the ninth chapter, Jesus says, The Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. Jesus tells his followers exactly what's going to happen to him. They don't quite believe him when he says it, but he still tells them. He's telling the truth about something that's going to happen in the future, something that might seem really, really scary. Isaiah is telling something that's going to happen in the future because the right now is really, really scary. Did you know that there are lots of great stories that have these kinds of prophecies in them? Are you completely surprised that it's almost the exact same list as I mentioned before? In Star Wars, there's a prophecy about one that will bring balance to the Force. In Harry Potter, there's a prophecy about a boy who will live in the face of death. There's even prophecies in Frozen and Moana and all sorts of other stories that you might love. But why does it matter? Why do all these great stories have prophecies and what do they do for us? Well, it gives us one of the greatest gifts of all time next to love. The truth that Jesus and Isaiah and all the characters in those stories that we love give us is hope. They give us hope that when we are in our rooms at night and scared, or when we have feelings of fear at any time in our lives, or when we are worried, that the light that we have inside of us will not be overcome by fear, but actually our light will continue to shine. Hope lets us be more. It gives us space to trust that there's more than what we can see with just our eyes that we can expect more from the world and we can expect more from each other. Take just a second and think of a time that you had hope. What were you hopeful about? What did you know was true, even when it seemed impossible? In the eighth Star Wars film, many characters quote something that General Organa has told them when they were worried. The quote goes like this, Hope is like the sun. If you only believe in it when you can see it, you'll never make it through the night. I like to think that Leia Organa was paraphrasing John 1. Here's a really hard true thing. Hope actually takes a lot of work because it's really, really hard when we're in the middle of those dark things to not pay attention to them. Ask God how you might practice hope with your friends, with your family, and maybe just with yourself. Hope is maybe one of my favorite things because it's actually kind of funny and very rebellious and extremely defiant. Hope does not do what it's told. It sits right in the middle of nothingness and possibility. It sits between those feelings that we have like nothing could ever be different and that this is the way it will always be and that things are actually much less scary than we thought they would be and we can't remember why we were ever afraid in the first place. Hope sits in tension. 
And that's why hope sits squarely on the cross. Between the fear and nothingness of death that seems inevitable in Jesus and the possibility of God making things brand new, that life will continue. And that is precisely where Jesus is nailed. Between nothingness and possibility. Jesus had to die not just because someone out there said that it would happen. Jesus had to die because hope is real. And sometimes fear feels like it could kill us. And we know that all things are possible with God. We might know on our end that the Easter story doesn't end with the death of Jesus, right? But we also know that there are lots of times in our lives where we don't know that it's all going to be okay yet. When we are afraid that what we're experiencing right now is the worst thing that will ever happen. And I want you to know that even though our Easter Sundays are always possible and just as inevitable, Jesus is with you on those Good Fridays of your life. And that is where he provides all the hope in the world. I want to close with a reading from Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. We have this hope, a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters the inner shrine behind the curtain, where Jesus, a forerunner on our behalf, has entered, having become a high priest forever. Jesus had to die because we always experience death. But Jesus' death is actually a hope that nothingness will not overtake us and there's nothing in the world that God cannot do. That the source of our light is always God and it shines no matter how dark our nights become. Tune in next time for the final chapter in the series on why Jesus had to die, looking at obedience and following God's rules. You can check in with everything else TLLC is doing at tllc.org or listen to our Sundays and Wednesday sermons by following our Sunday and Wednesday sermon series anywhere that you can find podcasts. Thanks. Thanks.